as always, I am Isaac Krakoka. And I'm Will Kuypers. We've got a big baseball episode for y'all today. Uh, I know we've been hammering on a lot about the NFL, a little NBA. Um, this week's a baseball episode, and we've got a lot to unpack. I think we should start with the Yerman Mercedes, Tony Larusa beef, and why it is so astronomically insane. My, my take, my initial reaction when I saw the Yerman Mercedes home run as a pitcher was like my gut reaction. I watched it on Twitter. I was like, I mean, you're hitting off of a position player 3-0, like, you know, congratulations. That was my gut reaction. Um, but after sitting on it for, you know, five minutes, I changed my, my position pretty quickly because I realized you're in Mercedes's position in the league and how um, the numbers on the back of a baseball card are more important than ever in debating a contract going forward. So as a pitcher, I was a little upset, but as a fan of the game, I was so happy to see him proving that he belongs to be on the field. Yeah, uh, I completely agree with that. Um, and let's not forget that this position player has a better arm than 47 miles per hour, uh, which is what he was throwing there. Um, so the fact that he's purposely throwing 47 mile an hour meatballs up there. Yeah. I mean, you can say all you want that hitting a home run off a position player in an 11 run game or whatever it was <clears throat> in a three Oh count is disrespectful, but I think putting in a position player that's going to purposely throw under 50 miles an hour purposely throw soft toss. I, I would, I would argue that that's more disrespectful um, I don't have a problem with Yerman Mercedes doing it at all. He's, you know, a 28 year old rookie at, at that point, you're in the minors, 27 years old, you know, your career's on, on life support. Um, right. So you're used to scratching and clawing and getting everything you can. So I, I'm on, I'm on the side of Yerman Mercedes here. I think, I think he was in the right fully. This is the same energy. It's like, if you ever watched a college basketball game, um, and it's a blue blood, like a Duke or a Kentucky. Uh, the last guy off the bench comes in in the final three minutes of the second half, and Calipari and Coach K tell him to hold the ball um, and pass it around. Don't take a shot because you're up 30. I think that's insane because you're brought up as athletes being told, you know, never, never go half measure. Always give whatever you can give when you're on the court or on the field. And it's the same thing for a 28 year old rookie rookie, because I was listening to an interview with uh, Mike Clevenger about it. And he put it pretty, pretty perfectly. The numbers on the back of your baseball card are what's going to get you your next contract. And six months from now, because he is a 28 year old rookie with no guaranteed money when they are going to extend him because they will, because he's excellent. Mm-hmm. They're not gonna. They're not gonna split hairs over whether or not that pitch was off of a 97 mile an hour cutter or a 47 mile an hour meatball. All that shows up is that it's a home run in his production column, and that's what matters most for this player. So, from a personal standpoint, I don't think there's any problem with that. And I hadn't actually thought about um, La Tortuga throwing 47. Didn't he come up as a catcher? Like, wasn't that his? Position? Yeah, and I, I believe earlier in that in that inning he you know, gotten it up to like upper seventies and everything. So he yeah. has the arm. <laughs> yeah. I mean, well, they're professional baseball players. I have the arm to get it above 47. That's true. <laughs> so, And the, the thing, the thing I thought that was oddest about this whole situation, I understand if the twins were upset about it, 
they have a right to be upset about it. I don't think they have a right to throw out a player because of it, especially if your pitcher is intentionally soft arming it to, um, to a rookie with the expectation that they're just going to pack it in. Like, where's the, where's the competitive spirit in that? First of all, I disagreed with throwing at uh, whoever it was they threw at. Um, second of all, I thought it was crazy that Tony Larusa did not have his team's back in that whole situation. He defended the twins actions for throwing at one of his guys and it's odd. I, I never thought Tony LaRusso was a great fit. And this just kind of substantiates my position. Yeah. Uh, the fact that he called Yerman Mercedes out after, like, called him out after the game. Uh, I think that's what really blew this whole thing up. I think if he doesn't do that, the only people that are paying attention to this whole situation are Twins fans. Right. Um, but the fact that his own manager came, came out and said that, you know, those actions aren't acceptable. Um, he's got consequences he's going to have to face uh, within the organization. I think that is what really got the the national baseball uh, scales like attention to it. Um, because you think about it, a position player's pitching, someone hits a home run, who gives, who, who gives a crap if uh, – if it's in a 3-0 count or not. I mean, it's happened before. I'm positive it's happened before. Didn't Tatis um, have a grand slam off of a position player last year and the baseball community rose hell, uh, raised hell, and Trevor Bauer was like, this is dumb. I mean, he's a rookie. He is the face of baseball. Let him swing. Yeah. So, yeah, it was. it's, it's happened before. Um, but when your manager goes out and says that, that's when it becomes a bigger deal. Um, I thought the Tony La Russa hiring was bad at the time, and I think it's even worse now. Uh, I think a manager's main job, especially on a team like the White Sox with so many uh, characters, think Tim Anderson, think Jose Abreu, think big personalities, great baseball players. Um, he, someone who wants to go on a power trip every few weeks, I, I don't think that's a great fit at all. Um, just, I think it's ridiculous that it's getting blown out of proportion and, and to go in, uh, go a little in depth on hitting, hitting him the next day or throwing at him. I think they missed him. Uh, I think that's stupid. Um, if you don't want him to hit a home run and a three Oh count off position player, uh, there's quite a few things you can do, um, Differently, you cannot go down eleven runs. You cannot go. You cannot put a position player in the pitch. Don't fall um, off three zero. I mean, just yeah. Like, <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> exactly. There's so many different things that the Twins could have done that would have prevented that, but they didn't. Um, so to throw at him after that, that's that's a that's a weak move. Um, he's a, like I said before, he's a 27 year old rookie, scratching and clawing for everything he can get, um, and then you do that that's that's weak that's cowardly i I don't agree with that at all just to circle back to the whole locker room energy that tony larusa brings they won't fire him this year because the white Sox are a first place team and i don't know how much tony larusa has to do with that i don't think he'll get fired from management because they look at him and they look at the uh the record and they say that's what's important um but in a locker room that's led by tim anderson you know the guy who famously adapted the bat throw instead of the bat flip as a <laughs> black baseball player. Like there's a lot of empowerment to that move for the white Sox for a lot of reasons. 
I mean, a black shortstop representing the South side of Chicago by being bold and innovative in baseball is important. And you have a manager that's suppressing that not to get too, you know, geopolitical, but um, that's part of the White Sox identity and it's undeniable. And to have a manager mm-hmm. that is consistent on pushing back on the culture that the White Sox have a great culture that the White Sox have developed. I think there are going to be some internal meetings in the upper level offices with uh, Mr. LaRusa. I don't know what's going to happen. Um, I have a feeling if I had to guess, this wouldn't happen again because if nothing else, it's bad for the White Sox's brand. Yeah. Um, and I forget who he was speaking to. I believe it might've been um, Lance Lynn who had said that who was talking about unwritten rules and how he's, he's been around a long time. Lance Lynn's seen a lot. He said something along the lines of the more I play, the longer I'm here, the more the unwritten rules have started to go away. Um, And I like that. I think that's, that makes a lot of sense because as, as a baseball fan, you can see that shift. Um, But then Tony La Russa was that that quote was mentioned to him and he was quoted as saying something along the lines of that's why he has a locker and I have an office. Um, I, I think that's a huge sort of power trip. And I think that is not what the White Sox need. I think the White Sox are winning right now because they're a talented baseball team. They're winning in spite of him rather than because of him. And that's not what you want to have your manager. I agree. And just to wrap up this conversation about unwritten rules, the reason why the breaking of the unwritten rules, the whole bat flip and pitcher celebration and showboating is so great for baseball right now is because of how quickly the sport is dying. And I think it's important for baseball to embrace marketing, not something they're great at. Um, And so that brings us to our next topic of, Shohei Otani and how he is the best baseball player in the world that nobody has even heard of because the MLB does not know how to market a, a player that can play both sides of the ball. So spectacularly, and it's a shame Mm -hmm. because watching Shohei Otani when he played Cleveland last week was absolutely incredible. I mean, he was throwing, he was dotting a hundred and he hit like something like five for 12 with two home runs and two doubles and nine RBIs or something like that. Um, Don't forget one of those home runs was probably at his eyes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. A, a great pitch by um, Nick. Was it Sandlin? I believe so. Could be wrong. Uh, I don't know. Some lefty. So it was, it was lefty on lefty crime. Oh, right? then it, Yeah. It wasn't Sandlin then. Uh, um, I don't remember. I didn't watch that at that. Anyways. <laughs> Uh, yeah. uh, actually, I think it might have been Henches. Was it Henches? Henches? Sam Henches? I think that's, so. That's, that's right. Yep. Okay. One of the new call-ups. Sometimes I get yeah. it. Yeah, I think I, I've watched uh, Shohei Otani. I believe it was his first start this year, um, the one where he was hitting 101, 102. Uh, and then he hit that absolute bomb. Um, it was like, you know, first week of the season. Um but I just thought, wow, uh, I would have never watched him if I'd never drafted him in fantasy. Uh, that was the only reason I tuned in. Uh, but now he's he's become one of my favorite players to watch. And I'll go out of my way just to watch like an at bat of his. Um, and 
don't even get me started. If he's on the mound, I'm for sure tuning into that game. Uh, his stuff is filthy. He hits the ball further than, you know, like probably three quarters of the league, at least. Um, he's fast. He's, I saw him steal a base. <laughs> like, there's not much this guy can't do. Um, I believe it was against the Indians, and, you know, he's done it a couple other times where he, you know, has finished pitching, and he'll move out to the outfield. So not only can he pitch and hit, he can also play defense. So I, I think it's incredible. And the MLB is good at marketing players that don't really need to be marketed. Um, Tatis, Tim Anderson, uh, their play, their skill, their flashiness, that all speaks for itself. And like people will, people will tune into that. They'll pay attention to that. Uh, but players like Mike Trout, even and on the same team, and Otani, guys who aren't super flashy, uh, who don't, you know, bat flip all the time, um, who are just very, very, very good talents, probably generational talents. Um, the the MLB they don't push them aside, but they don't, you know, go out of their way to show people who don't really watch baseball these players. Um, and I think Otani could be big uh, for the marketing, but they just don't do it enough. I, I agree. Um, one way to market Shohei Otani well, if you were to ask the average American, name the most famous baseball player ever, the answer is Babe Ruth, and it should be. The reason he was so famous was because of all the tanks he would hit and the fact that he was both a position player and a pitcher. Um, and mm-hmm. I understand Shohei Otani doesn't have the skill necessarily that – Mike Trout does on one side of the field or that Clayton Kershaw does on the other, but Shohei Otani is the closest thing to Babe Ruth that the baseball community has had quite literally in a hundred years. And it's a shame because he is in Los Angeles, albeit the second Los Angeles team, but he is in a West coast market. He's in an LA market and that top three rota- or that top three batting order of uh, Mike Trout, Shohei Otani and Anthony Rendon is the best in baseball and nobody knows about it. Um, and it's too bad because I feel like baseball is wasting an opportunity to get itself back in the spotlight, at least a little bit. Um, and this is just one of many reasons. I also think 162 games, it's insane. There's no urgency. That's also part of why baseball is so hard to market. Um, and baseball does not let players wear their own shoes and brand except for Mm -hmm. one end of the year. I think that's crazy. One of the ways basketball is branded so well was because of the shoe market, and if, if you guys watched uh, the, the Last Dance, the reason that Jordan became so popular, not because he was the number two overall pick and played in Chicago, um, it was that he got a brand deal with Nike and every kid wanted to wear, wear a pair of Jordans because that identified me as a 12-year-old with this professional star. Because I can see I'm wearing the same kicks that he's wearing in a game. Baseball players aren't allowed to wear their own shoes. It's, it's, it's absurd. And I know Trevor Bauer has been very outspoken about it. If you have a second, check out his YouTube because he rants a lot about the unwritten rules of baseball on his reaction channel. Um, definitely worth watching, but he's a pitcher that really embraces the whole let pitchers pitch and let batters bat and have fun with it. And I hope that's the way baseball tends. Yep. I agree completely. Anyways, uh, just to segue to uh, another another baseball topic, big baseball week. <laughs> um, it seems like 
last season was very boom or bust as far as home run strikeout ratio was concerned. I think all-time highs in, in both, if it were to be projected onto a 162-game scale, um, albeit a shortened season. Now that seems even more dramatic. There are, when the hits happen, they are bigger, but they are few and far between, um, mm-hmm. manifesting itself in the rate of no-hitters that are happening in baseball this year. Uh, since we recorded last, there have been two more, right? Like two. Yes. Uh, Turnbull and Kluber. Yeah. Last week, right? Or this week? Uh, Last week, yeah. It's a whirlwind. (laughs) Yeah. Um, I don't know why that's the case. The philosophy that you make your money by hitting the long ball. That's how you get new contracts. That's how you get signed. That's how you get the $330 million over 13 years. By putting up 40 and 126, even if your batting average is 247. No one's mm-hmm. looking for the guy that gets 200 hits anymore. It's very okay if you get 120 hits, provided that a third of them leave the park. And it's just the way baseball is tending. Pitchers are throwing harder. Spin rate is higher than it's ever been. Um, and so this despair. Could there be some foul play in that? Who knows? I don't, I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> are, we bringing, are we bringing back the dead ball era? Are, are... <laughs> If, if that's the case, then logically we should get some cork bats coming in. I think that'd be kind yeah. of, yeah, bring it back. Um, I would, I, that, that would be fun to, fun to watch for sure. <laughs> Corked bats against pitchers with much better spin rates um, unnaturally. All I'm uh, I think is, that, that'd be fun to watch. Fun baseball. Let pitchers, <laughs> let pitchers throw spitballs, let pitchers use pine tar, let batters use, let batters use cork bats. Um, I don't know. Let power lifters use steroids. Have fun with it. Make baseball fun. Eliminate the shift. <laughs> crazy, crazy rule idea. One batter and one pitcher on each team are allowed to use uh, PEDs. Uh, <laughs> that way it's the most most hyped matchups uh, of the whole series when they face each other. <laughs> exactly. Um, anyways, lots of no-hitters in baseball. Uh, our boy Corey threw his first career no-hitter. Odd to say that because – you know, two-time Cy Young Award winner, you'd think he'd have at least one of those under his belt. Oh, not to mention, there is a seventh unofficial no-hitter, I guess, by Madison Bumgarner. Remember? Oh, true. Five weeks ago? So, yeah. parentheses, seven no-hitters. I, I call that a no-hitter. It's a complete game with, with no hits. Uh, I, I would agree. call it that. I agree. Um, Zach Plesak took a no-hitter into the eighth inning like a week ago. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely so, incredible. Yeah. Um, I believe I actually believe the uh, the MLB record for no hitters in a season is somewhere around seven. I think it is seven. Uh, don't quote me on that, though. Um, but if that's the case, even not counting Madison Bumgarner's no hitter, non no hitter, whatever you want to call it, um, even not counting that. We're we're on pace for that record to be broken next month. <laughs> Yeah, Probably I mean, by the middle of next month. It's not a matter of if, it's a matter of when. Yeah. I, wouldn't, I would be very unsurprised if um, we broke double-digit no-hitters this year. And I don't remember a year where we've ever been that close. So, I, And I think, I think it wouldn't even be crazy for double-digit no-hitters to happen by the All-Star break. Yeah. It's even crazier. Um, one more uh, no-hitter fun fact. Um, of the six no hitters, weren't they all against three teams in total? Yep. Yep. 
two against the Indians, two against the Mariners, and two against the Rangers. Ah. So if I were to guess, I'm I'm not an economic guy. I am not a statistician. I would bet that the Mariners, Rangers, and Indians are among the lowest five or six in payroll. Um, not, to say, not to say that there's a causation there. Uh, maybe, <laughs> for, maybe a little more Freakonomics correlation, but I think you could easily make the argument, write a thesis about the causation of, you know, not paying for players and not paying for talent. Um, yep. Just another, another, another side of beef I have with, with baseball and its lack of salary cap. I understand that's why baseball is unique and that's why it will never change. And that's why big market teams are successful and small market teams drown. But, and, and, and I'm not saying I have a solution to propose. I'm just saying this is why it sucks to be a fan of a small market team because you're always the butt end of big market teams as jokes. And uh, yep. you know, woe is me, Cleveland made a World Series in 2016. Sad part <laughs> about that is when a small market team makes a World Series, it's 20 years until they're at that level of competition again, just because you got to rebuild, you got to rebuild. And all the talent that got you to that world series was homegrown because once it's time to renew those players, you simply can't. And so you got to start the cycle over again. And yeah. I mean, yeah. I actually wrote or did an assignment for a sport business analytics class um, that goes into a little bit about um, small market teams and how the MLB is the hardest league, professional sports league in America to compete in um, for small market teams. Uh, Not only because, you know, it's hard to get, you know, better players, um, and you got teams like the Yankees and the Dodgers who have pretty much unlimited payroll. Um, they can spend as much as they need to to assemble the best team like ever to exist. Um, but the fact that it's a series playoff stru- structure, um, that makes it even, even less likely for upsets when a small market team can squeak in. Um, you know, the Rays going to the World Series last year was awesome. Um, and it was awesome because they were, they're an underdog team. They don't spend a lot of money. Um, they tend to keep things cheap. A lot of young players on uh, minimums and rookie deals and all that. Um, but it's easier to upset a team if you only have to win one game. Yeah. Um, like football. Yeah. Any uh, given Sunday. You know, football, any team can beat anyone in the playoffs. Uh, the Browns almost beat the Chiefs. Uh, no one would have guessed that. Right. Um, but so many more upsets can happen in the NFL because of that. Um, but they wouldn't necessarily be huge upsets because teams are on an even playing field with the salary cap. With no salary cap in baseball, you're on, an, uh, you're on a tilted field um, in some of these matchups. And you have to win multiple games against that that's baseball is the hardest sport to compete in for championships for a small market team. Well, if you're looking at it um, over the past 20 years, I think there's only been one baseball team. That's not in the top half of the league in payroll. Most of the time it's top 10 in the league in payroll that wins the world series. But the only team that wasn't was in 2015 when Kansas city somehow won the world series. And 
they won the World Series. Congratulations to Kansas City. What like where are they now though? All of the talent that they grew was signed by Eric Cosmer to the Padres, Mike Moustakis with the Reds oh, right now. Yeah. Yeah. And and it's too bad because Cleveland was close. Um, but that year, if I'm not mistaken, their payroll was in the top half of the league. Surprising. I believe so because of the um was that I think we got Edwin the year following, correct? Right. Okay. So, yeah. And then they decided to spend to try and keep that window open. Uh, but by then it was it was too late. And that's what you uh, have you have one do. chance. Yeah. And if it doesn't work, that's why they traded away Edwin. Can't afford him. Um, so anyways, that's my that's my gripe with baseball. Yep, as as was stated in the movie Moneyball. Um <laughs> There are that, teams that there. small market teams are essentially becoming farm systems for the Yankees and the Dodgers and the teams that are willing to spend money. Yeah. If I'm, if I were to quote, uh, quote Billy Bean, um, there are rich teams and there are poor teams. Then there's 50 feet of crap. And then there's us. In reference to <laughs> if you haven't seen that movie, watch it. My favorite movie of all time. I hope you've seen Mine it as well. Yeah. My objectively, my favorite movie of all time. Um, yeah. Baseball, crazy. Um, one way to solve it, in my opinion, would be revenue sharing. I don't know how viable that would be. Um, that's how it works in the NBA, at least to a degree. You can probably talk to this more than I can. But from what I've read uh, in a book by Bob Costas called Fair Ball, if you think about it in terms of the NBA, when LeBron was with the Cavaliers, they would go to um, play the Brooklyn Nets when the Nets were hot garbage. But that game would sell out because everyone wanted to come and see LeBron. And so the way that the revenue would shake out would be 70% of that would go to the home team. 30% of the revenue generated would go to the away team. Similarly in home games, when LeBron was playing with the Cavs, 70% of those profits would go to the home team. And then when the Nets visited 30% of that sold out crowd would go to the Nets. So there's more of an equitable distribution of money in circulation in the NBA. That's not the case in baseball, New York and the, the Yankees and the Dodgers will continue to sell out their stadiums. The Marlins and Cleveland and Kansas City are lucky to get a thousand people to the stadium on a Wednesday afternoon, maybe. Yeah. So. Yeah, it's it's a very uneven playing field, um, but in in the case of Corey Kluber throwing his no hitter to to circle to circle back to that, um, <laughs> I'm glad he threw it. I hate that it was in pinstripes. I hate it. I despise it. Um, but I'm glad he, I'm glad he got it. Um, even though it wasn't with the small market, cheap Indians. Um, yeah. It's poetic that he threw it against the Rangers, at least a little bit. They didn't, <laughs> they traded him, traded him away or released him. I forget which, but they didn't have faith that he'd be able to healthily recover. Um, <laughs> so I guess that, that part of the lore is fun. It's crazy. That Rangers trade, um, the Indians got a closer that shoves 101 and the Rangers got one inning of Corey Kluber. And they got no hit. Yeah. So we'll call that too. Who really won the trade there? <laughs> I don't know, but yeah, uh, that was, that was the same day uh, that Corey Kluber no hitter was the same day that LeBron hit the, the game winning shot over Steph Curry in the playing game um, would be a great day for Cleveland sports. If it was 2016, but uh, very good day. <laughs> You know. But, anyways, um, in other in other Cleveland news, though, thought I'd just mention this. Uh, 
Owen Miller made his debut today. Oh, uh, I was I was uh, I was driving from East Lansing actually. I didn't get a chance to to check into the game. Um, I did see he was thrown on the lineup card though, and I am so happy to say that it is Miller time once again in Cleveland. He did struggle. Uh, that that was the one bad part. Um, he was one of I think it's two starters today without a hit. Three starters today without a hit. Well, uh, I believe the other two were Luplo and Hedges. He went, he went 0 for 5 with uh, three strikeouts. Uh, but the thing with Indians fans right now is this year we're looking for any bat. And a lot of Indians fans are kind of overreacting. Uh, like if, if someone doesn't produce one game, um, I know a lot of people are like, oh, he's, he's terrible. Get him yeah. out of here. Uh, but with a player like that, a young guy, uh, debut especially just my plea to Indians fans to fellow Indians fans is just have patience because he'll start hitting and he'll be just an absolute breath of a very breath. welcome yeah very welcome addition to the team uh, it's just a matter of when not if right exactly um you know the case with the Cleveland farm system all things considered Cleveland does a very good job at developing talent um, as opposed to the Yankees and Dodgers and big market teams who, when they do have young talent, they are tradable assets almost always. I don't know how much of the Yankees and Dodgers starting lineups are Dodgers draftees. I think the Dodgers more than the Yankees. I think so too. Um, But, you know, I I can't be sure. Look at the recent off season, the biggest off season splashes the Dodgers had, um, Trevor Bauer is going to be in talks for the Cy Young this year, and Mookie Betts, who is always an MVP candidate. So um, then you look at the Yankees, other side, they um, they developed Aaron Judge. Congratulations to them. Um, they traded for Glaber Torres. That was part of the Aroldis Chapman Cubs deal. They traded for um, Gio Urshela. They traded for, or they signed Aroldis Chapman. They signed Giancarlo Stanton after he won the MVP in 2017, 16, one of them. Yeah. Um, so anyways the tldr of that whole statement was cleveland does a great job at developing young talent give owen miller some time because he will catch up to big league pitching i promise yeah and then the the dodgers um i just pulled up a list um don't know how reputable the source is so i'm gonna say i believe these are the uh the players that are on their roster right now that they have drafted or signed um, and that would be Julio Urias, Will Smith, uh, the catcher, mm-hmm. Corey Seager, uh, Dustin May, Gavin Lux, uh, Bellinger, Walker Bueller, um, Kenley Jansen. Hmm. Uh, and we can't forget, can't forget good old Clayton Kershaw. Okay. Um, well, I guess they do. The Dodgers definitely do a better job, but they have deep enough. Pocket. But they supplement that with the yeah. spending. Yeah. All right. Um, any fadeaway takes? Fadeaway take is uh, watch out for the Indians to make a make a comeback in the Central, um, especially if Tony LaRusso is still the manager of the White Sox. Yeah. Um, around I can see all- a mutiny coming around around the All-Star <laughs> break uh, on the South side. Uh, I'd be surprised if Tony LaRusso was their manager next year, um, yep. especially if he keeps this up, not having his players' backs. Um, I wouldn't even be surprised if he was gone by the all-star break. 
I wouldn't either, especially if he pulls just me. Like this. So anyways, that's all we have for you guys this week. As always, my name is Isaac. And I'm Will. And we will catch you next week, probably with another no-hitter to talk about. All right. <laughs> Peace.